Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of this podcast. As always, thanks for taking time and checking out today's show. If you're watching the show or listening to the show on or before Saturday, November 21st, 2020, you still have time to register for our next session of Tribe. This session will be session number seven. We have had just shy of 300 registrations all time for Tribe. It's incredible what what God has done with this ministry. Tribe is a six-month discipleship community within the pursuit of manliness. We read the Bible. We have another book we read. Uh, we have video challenges. We have Zoom calls. We just have a really strong community. Um, as I'm recording this, I have a couple that I'm going to mail out today. Those are the first tribe packets everybody gets. One of these means that somebody international is getting a tribe packet. So we have guys in all time zones across the country. We got guys outside of the U.S. It's a six month commitment. It's $150. It will be the the best $150 you spend on yourself this year. You will grow spiritually and relationally. If you engage, I, I guarantee it. And if you engage, you will grow and others will notice as well. And so you can go to the website. We have a few um, testimonials, if you want to call it that, from some of the wives. Um, I posted one just the other day from another wife. Um, it's just incredible, again, what God will do with men of God who say, you know what, I hunger for this, I need this, and when I lean into it, you will make some of the best uh Friends, I will say friends. You'll make some of the best friends that you may have right now. These guys will fight for you. They'll pray for you. They'll, I mean, they'll hold you accountable. I mean, it's just, it is nothing short of remarkable what we're seeing God do within tribe. And uh, if you if you don't know what it is, you're still on the fence. Um, again, the pursuitofmanliness.com forward slash tribe. There's a video there. But I would go back a few podcast episodes. We had them in on tribe. Uh, some of the guys in tribe right now talking about their experience. I don't want to talk you into it. You have to say, you know what, this is something I need, or you know what, it's just not right now, or you know, maybe I, maybe you're good where you're at. Either way, that's good. I just want you to consider, do I have a community of men? Do I have a band of brothers? Do I have a tribe of men who will spur me on to make me a better man of God? I, I promise if you engage, you will grow. So men, let's get into the conversation today. John chapter 6, specifically verse 16 to 21. This is known as when Jesus walks on water, but I want to change that a little bit. I want to talk about Peter walking on water. Because right now, everybody is going through some kind of storm. You may go, well, Jared, I'm not really going through a storm. It's a little dramatic, okay? That's a little hyperbole. I'm not talking about literal storm. But I would say this, it's raining just about everywhere, right? Everybody's going through something. Everybody's impacted by something external that you weren't impacted of 2019. If it's if it's COVID, we weren't talking about that in 2019. We weren't really talking about the election like we're talking about the way we're talking about it now. Uh, we weren't talking about opening or closing schools or opening and closing businesses or opening and closing churches or whether we should, you know, offer this, that, or the other. We weren't doing that. And right now, you, know, you say, well, that's not the worst storm in the history of the world. Not at all, but storms are storms and you have to weather them and you have to get through them and you have to endure them. Now, where I'm from in Iowa, there are people when it storms, they go outside, get a sweet tea or lemonade, and they just watch the storm rolling. They love it. It's like it's like watching something on television. Then you got other people that go in their basement and they hug their freezer. I mean, they're terrified. They got their all-weather radio and seven days worth of food and a rain jacket and a hatchet in case they have to dig their way out. Now, regardless of where you're at, you will, if you're not right now, going th- go through some storms in life. You will go through some stuff where you say, you know what? I'm having to endure this right now. I'm having to 
become less weary every like every day it's just the weariness of the storm and I'm tired and I'm worn down and I've had days where I'll wake up and go oh we're still doing this oh yeah we got that oh yeah and you can do a pretty good job sometimes in your home kind of you know hunkering down and creating that bunker of this is what we're talking about this is what we're focusing on this is what we're doing then you gotta leave the house or people come into your house through the window of social media or through text message or phone calls or email. I mean, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. You're like, man, love to take this telephone, this cell phone. It's not even a telephone. It's a cell phone and baptize it into the river and never use it again. I would love that, but that's just not the world we live in. That's, that's without these things, I wouldn't be able to do this thing, right? Like that wouldn't make sense. So we are going to go through storms, but let's back up before Jesus walks on the water and Peter gets out and walks with him. They feed the 5,000. Jesus feeds the 5,000 You have this this huge crowd. We believe it's probably 10,000, 8,000, somewhere in there, but because they're counting the men, we're talking about women and children. In addition to that. So you're talking about a, a substantial crowd. This crowd loves the barley loaves and the sardines that Jesus has put in their belly, so much so that they said, this is our guy, this is our king, let's go crown him, and they want to make him king by force. Jesus said, this is not how this goes down. He dismisses the crowd, he tells the disciples to go get in the boat, and he goes up on the mountain, and he's going to begin to pray. The disciples get in the boat, and they're going to make their way to the other side. The crowd is supposed to leave, but we learn as we keep reading through John 6, they don't get real far, they kind of keep an eye on Jesus, and Jesus goes back and reconnects with God for a substantial amount of time in prayer because we know that in uh, Matthew it talks about the fourth watch of the night so I'm looking at John chapter 6 but also in Matthew 14 and Mark chapter 6 you can find this same story you get a little bit more details and I'm gonna I'm gonna use them all really I'm I'm gonna focus a little bit more on Matthew than Mark but we're gonna you can get all three of them and you get the story you get what's going on here so I'll, I'll start to read it says when evening came his disciples were down went down to the sea they got into a boat And they started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. Okay, the disciples are doing what they're supposed to do, and yet a storm already arises. This is what happens in our life. We can be obedient to Christ, and a storm can arise, and we go, man, what's the deal? Every time I try to be obedient, every time I try to be faithful, every time I start tithing, Every time I try to get a discipleship group, every time I start to evangelize, every time I start to, yeah, a storm arises, right? Yeah, that that's that's part of the Christian walk. And you will endure it and you'll be stronger for it. What we have to do is learn how to faithfully endure these storms of life because they will come. Sometimes they come daily. Sometimes they feel like they come and they don't leave for like months. You're like, how long is this storm? That's part of life. Sometimes I believe it's the enemy of your soul trying to distract you and get your eyes on the storm. And sometimes God is bringing you through that as he's going to do with the disciples here today. So they're going to go out. They're going to be on the, the, the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was about 650 feet below sea level, about 150 feet deep, surrounded by hills. It was the perfect environment for storms to arise. So they wouldn't have been completely caught off guard. Like, are you kidding me? All of a sudden there's a storm. Yet at the same time, because it was such a prime spot for these high winds and these storms to pop up, they would have been fierce. However, these guys collectively would have been fairly skilled in rowing the boat. They would have been fairly skilled at being on the water. That's not my skill set. If you, uh, you and me and, you know, 10 other guys go get in a boat, we're going to go ship off somewhere. Good luck. 
if you want to come back, I'm not your guy to, to chart that course, I promise. These guys, however, collectively would have had skilled fishermen, guys that were very familiar with water, and yet there's still a storm, it's still dark. Isn't that amazing how those connections take place? Darkness and storms. It seems to be that way with, <clears throat> forgive me, with literal storms, and it seems to be that way with storms of life. It gets dark. Sometimes we make it get dark. Sometimes we go home, we shut the curtains, we shut everything off, we don't answer our phone, we don't answer text messages, we don't answer emails, we don't go to church, we don't get connected to God, we just, we make our world, we make our world small and dark, and then we wonder why it feels so small and dark. You know what? Sometimes we got to pursue the light, even in the midst of storms. We need to look for Jesus. We need to pursue him. And if we're honest, sometimes we just don't feel like it. Sometimes we just feel like, nah. I'm beat down. I'm tired. I want to justify sin. I want to justify immorality. I want to justify these things. And I'm telling you, it, it, it will drown you. It will ruin you. So we find out that Jesus begins to make his way out there. <clears throat> Verse 19, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near their boat, and they were frightened. Yeah, that's fair. If you're walking down the hallway of the coworker and they walk through a wall, you're going to go, hold up. Did I just... Did you did that happen? If you're waiting for your spouse to come home from work and they fly home like superhero style, you're you're gonna have a question or two. Well, they're in the midst of a storm, they're focused on the storm, they look over and they're like, Is that Jesus? I think it's Jesus. That can't be Jesus. What? Are you serious? Is it, I mean, could you imagine that they're, they're, they're frightened? They're these are grown men, admittedly frightened here on the storm, and now we got Jesus. You know what they think? They think it's a ghost. They think it's a ghost of somebody who had died on the sea. That was not that unfamiliar to them. Remember the story of Jonah and, and the guys in the boat, and they have all these different gods and things. There. I mean, they are, you talk about superstitious. Now, here there's this figure walking towards them in the middle of the night, and they're like, no. You ever gone camping, and you think you see someone or you're hunting and you're convinced it's it's a deer and it's a, it becomes a squirrel. Like your mind and your ears and everything starts playing tricks on you. are like, this this can't be the case. No, it's Jesus walking towards them. In, in Matthew chapter 14, 26, it says they were convinced he was a ghost. It makes just as much sense as saying the guy who just fed you this buffet from a Lunchable is now walking on water. That makes just as much sense. Uh, Mark chapter 6, 48, 49 says that he was going to pass by them. <clears throat> Think about that for a second. Jesus walking on water encompassed more power and theoretically more speed in the midst of a storm than 12 grown men trying to row the boat with all their strength. Jesus encompassed more power than 12 grown men, so much so that he was going to pass by them. He said, there ain't, there ain't enough room in that boat. I think I'm just going to walk right on by. I'm going to meet you guys to the, at the other side. I mean, imagine that. Not only is it Jesus, it's Jesus walking on water faster than you can row the boat in the midst of a storm. That'll give you something to think about that day, right? Like, Bartholomew, come here. Did, did that happen? What did you think when you, like, what did you, what do you remember? You think you file that away as a story? I can't wait to tell my friends when I get back. I think so. And suddenly, Jesus is upon them. We have the interaction here, verse 20, but he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Well, this is the understatement of the year. They, and it, they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately uh, the boat was at land to which they were going. Now, it would be easy to end the story there and say, Jesus calms 
our nerves and our lives and everything we are in the midst of a storm. But that would be shortchanging what actually happened here. Because in Matthew chapter 14, verse 27 to 32, I'm going to paraphrase all this for the sake of, of time, but to keep it conversation. We have Peter who said, Lord, if that is you, I'm, I'm putting my faith on the line here. Lord, if that's you, you tell me to come on out of this boat and I'll walk towards you. And Jesus, what did he say back? He said, come. Get on up out of that boat. Get up out of the boat. Let's go. Come on. So now Peter opened his mouth in faith. If that's you, I'm going to walk. And Jesus said, let's go. Okay, I'm either going to stay here and go, well, if it's you, why don't you? No, that's what you put out there. If it's you, I'm going to do this. In this moment, we see the faith and the fickleness of G- of Peter. We're, we're the same way. The incredible moment of faith, right? Incredible moment of faith with Peter where he says, if that's you, I'm going. The fickleness of Peter, because we know the story. More than likely, you know the story. And if you don't know the story, go to Ma- Matthew 14 and read it. Peter gets out of that boat and he begins walking on the water. It didn't say he took a step. It didn't say, you know, as soon as his foot hit the water, he went down walking on the water and he begins to look at the wind and the waves and says, hold up, this is really happening. And that's where he begins to sink. And in that moment, he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches over and pulls him up. Now, I don't know if this is like a parent moment. You know, if your kid was in water and they fall backwards or, you know, whatever you grab by the ear, the nose, whatever you can get a hold of them. You're like, you're just grabbing for any part of them to get them back up. I, I don't know. I don't know if he grabbed him by the hair. I don't grab him. I don't know how he saved him. I'm going to imagine he saved him, <clears throat> forgive me, as about as calm as Jesus walking. I bet Jesus walking on the water, saving Peter was is incredibly calm, especially in contrast to Peter sinking. Men, here's what I want you to hold on to. Sometimes you just got to get out of the boat. Sometimes you just need to get up and get out of the boat and walk towards Jesus. We're not talking about living recklessly. Because Peter said, Lord, if that's you, you tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. He's not talking about, well, guys, I'm going to show you something. Watch this. I'll be right back. Let's, let's see what Jesus does when I do this. No, he didn't do that. Don't confuse the two. His faith is in Jesus. His faith in Jesus is greater than his faith in the other 11 guys in the boat. Now, he's got a seat. He's got a spot in the boat. He can stay there, and he could stay, quote-unquote, safe, even though you and I would deem that not safe. Well, it seems safer than getting on the water where the storm is, right? Like, stay in the boat. At least you have a chance to get to dry land. No, your greatest chance will always be move towards Jesus. And I know we live in a time where we are worried about censorship and we're worried about retaliation and we're worried about the government and mandates and edicts and all these other things. Your faith has to be stronger in Jesus than all those other things. It has to be stronger in Jesus than the law, than numbers, Supreme Court justices, any regulations. Your faith in Jesus must be stronger than what you can see and control around you you because the storms around you are meant to just you know they're just going to cause fear and they're going to paralyze you and you're going to hide out i am so sick and tired of hearing about fearful things and beyond that i'm so sick and tired of hearing from fearful people where are the the men of courage where are the where are the where are the pauls of the day where are the davids of the day 
David says, I fought a lion and a bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine, he's a joke compared to them. Where are those guys at? Oh, man, I don't know. Oh, man, I I don't know. You know what? Go stay in the boat. Go stay in the boat. Now, I know. I know. Well, Jerry, you just... uh, Sometimes you just got to get your butt out of the boat. Sometimes you got to give up your seat. Sometimes you got to get up out of that seat because you sat in that seat so long. Sometimes instead of sitting in a small group for the last 14 years, sometimes you got to lead a group. Sometimes instead of just waiting for someone to do something for you, sometimes you got to initiate it. Sometimes instead of just waiting for a ministry or program or something to start, sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you have to be a man. Sometimes you have to be a man that says, I'm going to do this. You know why some men will not lead in churches, that will not lead small groups, that will not disciple other people? You know why they won't do it? It's not that they don't know enough. It's that they're not dependable. And you know you'll have to lead people like yourself. And so you say, you know what? I'm just going to keep sitting in this folding chair. And then if I don't show up, I don't show up. And then if I get tired, I get tired. And then if I'm running late, I'm running late. And then I don't have, I'm, not, I'm not accountable to those people because I'm so busy. That's a joke. That's a joke. Because you'll make time for what's a priority. And if the kingdom's not a priority, keep your butt in the boat. We got, we got enough people in the boat. It's time we get some water walkers. It's time we get some people that say, you know what? I've sat in this long enough. I'm getting up out of here, out of the boat, and I'm walking towards Jesus. That's where I'm going. Because walking towards Jesus in the midst of a storm will always be more fulfilling. It will always be safer. It will always be the right thing to do. And any other words you want to add in there than keeping yourself in the boat. Well, I'm just going to stay in the boat because I just, you know, I don't. Aren't you ever embarrassed by that? I mean, Really? You may not say that openly, but at, you know, in the quiet of your soul, aren't you ever like, I wish I had the courage of a Peter. I don't know what needs to happen. Well, maybe you need to ask God, get me up out of this boat. Get me up out of this boat. So, you know, when Peter starts walking on the, on the water, you know what he does? He sinks. And there's a group of people that would say, see, that's why I don't do those things. That's why I don't get out of that boat. That's why I don't go do that. No, see? Yeah, stay in the boat. See how that works out for you. Because you're like, well, see? Because remember, Peter is the one that Jesus said, you know what, get behind me, Satan. See? That's why I don't speak up. That's why I don't do that. Peter was the one that, you know, cut the guy's ear off in the garden. You're like, see? He was the one that sat around the fire and told, you know, the girl, like, you know, hey, I don't, I've never met that guy. I don't know who he is. Peter's the one who, you know, Paul had to call out, you know, and be like, hey, you're being a hypocrite to the Gentiles and the Jews. Peter's the one that had, you know, kind of a brief argument, if you want to call it that, with God about what was clean and unclean, right? Like, Peter, see, I don't want to be the Peter. I want to be the guy in the back. I just want to be in the boat, and I'm just trying to get in. That's, that's how you're going to spend your life. That's how you're going to spend your time on earth. Hoping you get in. Because remember, there's one guy in the boat. He ain't in. But he looks like he's in. Everybody in the boat thinks he's in. He's out. His heart wasn't there. He never surrendered to Jesus. He never repented of his sins. Judas. You realize how close everybody in that boat is to Judas right there? Does Judas know he's Judas? Does Judas know he's out? No, he probably thinks he's in. He thinks he's in because he thinks he knows how this thing's going down. There's only one man that got out of the boat. There's only one man in Matthew 16, 16 says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know what we call that? The great confession. And many of you have made that confession in front of a bunch of people. There's only one guy 
There's only one guy who said, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. This promise is for you and your children and all who are far off and all who God will call to himself. And that's, that's Peter. Peter's the one with the courage to do something radical for God. Peter is the one who did something radical for God, and it started with just getting out of the boat. Listen, this was not a corporate event. This was not like walking across coals to see who would be the next district manager. This is a guy who said, I'm terrified. Jesus, if that's you, you call me out of this boat, and I'm going to go. Listen, men, we need to stop being terrified because some of you all are terrified. You're terrified of social distancing. You're terrified of a pandemic. You're terrified of an election. You're terrified of, uh, you're terrified of everything. You got to stop that. You got to stop living that way. And I can't talk you out of that. All I can encourage you to do is say, you need to call Jesus and say, Jesus, if you want me to step out and courage, you're going to have to tell me, come. You're going to have to tell me, get up out of this boat because I can't stay here no more. I'm not going to stay in this seat no more. I'm not going to let my wife and children watch me just sit here anymore because it's out of convenience. Some of y'all ain't even in the boat. You're on the shore and all you're looking for is bread. That's a different conversation. But I'm talking about the people right now I'm talking about the people right now who believe they're Christ followers and you're terrified and you're fearful and all you could do is talk about a storm and all you could do is talk about the election and all you could do is talk about the mask mandate or the virus or the vaccine and that's your hope what will save us and you're oh for the love of Jesus would you talk about kingdom matters? You go, I just, I just can't do that, Jarrett. Then you need to repent. You need to repent. Peter lived a courageous life, and he refused to stay silent or stagnant. Peter refused to believe the lie that it was safer to be in that boat with the 11 guys, because at least he knew what was in the boat. He knew, I cannot stay in this boat. Oh, he failed, right? When he got out, he failed. He'd say, oh, I miss it. Well, Jesus saved him. And listen, you might fail, and you might offend, and you might get in trouble, and someone might say something to you. Well, I, I get that. I mean, we got people leaving social media in droves, and we don't know if we're coming or staying. Or Nobody cares. Do something for Jesus, okay? We got people worried about, you know, will, will this side do something against Christians? What, what are they going to do? What, are they get, what, what could they do? Can they, can they silence you? Well, they can, you know... Where's your fear? Where's your hope? And are you even in the boat? And if you're in the boat, how long have you been in that boat? How long have you sat in that boat and rode three or four miles with all your effort saying, this is futile? How long have you been in that boat? How long have you been trying with all your effort to get where you need to go? And what you need to do is turn around and look back at Jesus go, Whoop, looks like I'm getting ahead of you here. Looks like I'm, I'm. Looks like this boat is getting a little further than Jesus. I need to. I need to get with Jesus. Let's follow Peter's example and say, "Listen, I don't have all the answers, but I got enough faith to say, if you want me up out of this boat, I'm getting out of the boat." Amen. So, guys, consider that John six sixteen to twenty one, uh, Matthew fourteen, I believe it starts twenty two to thirty three, and Mark six, uh, I think that's forty five to fifty two. Hard to read my own writing, but men. As always, I appreciate y'all listening. Just consider it. Think about it. It's your call, what you want to do. I can't talk you in or out of anything. It's your call. But I'll tell you right now, we're in the midst of something. Whatever you want to call it, we're in the midst of something. 
and you can blame people and you can point fingers. But at the end of the day, you got to look at yourself and say, what am I doing about this? You can blame your pastor and you can blame your church and you can blame social media. And I don't, Zuckerberg or whoever else wants to God bless you. God will take care of that. He'll take care of the message. We just need to be obedient. I just want God to find me faithful. I don't know how this thing ends. I don't know if it ends today before I get this thing uploaded. I don't know if it ends next week. I don't know if it ends thousand years. I don't know. I just want God to find me faithful. And what we see oftentimes in scripture is faithfulness means you have to step out of the norm, step out of the comfort, and sometimes step outside into the storm. And perhaps that's what God's calling us to. Amen. So, man, I thank you for listening. Go to thepursuitofmanliness.com. There you can find this podcast, the tribe information. You can sign up for the uh, the newsletter that I send out periodically and uh, get some gear and other things there as well. So, man, thanks for listening, and let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.